Welcome to Boss of My Money podcast, your number one choice for bite-sized lessons on how to take care of your coins and achieve financial success. I am your host, Esther Bangura, the founder and budgeting expert at Boss of My Money. So whether it's improving your money habits, developing a wealthy mindset, becoming debt-free, saving money, or learning how to invest, girl, say no more because you are in the right place. And if you want to get clear about where you stand financially, why not get your hands on one of my amazing freebies, my five-step guide to organizing your finances at bossofmymoney.co.uk. Hi there. So welcome to episode number 23. So today I have the beautiful Michaela Green from The Wealth Check. She is Britain's first black female chartered financial planner. She has 17 years of experience in financial services, and she's worked with many prestigious brands in the UK and across the world. And she's spoken at over 100 events. That's right. That's who I have that's joining us today. Michaela, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate your time um, that you're making to have this podcast interview with me. So please um, tell us about yourself, what you do and where you're based. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on, Esther. It's an absolute pleasure to be on the Boss of Your Money. And um, myself, Michaela Green, I am a financial expert. I've been in the industry for 17 years now. And um, my actual title is classed as a chartered financial planner. And it was um, a couple of years back now that I was actually recognised as the first black female chartered financial planner in the UK, And it's kind of been history ever since. That is amazing. And how how was that journey for you? Like, how did you feel just being recognised in in such a way? Yes, it was a it was a real joy for me. It was it was kind of a turning point, I think, in my career. It was something where it was almost a wake up call to me to say, you know, in this day and age, if I can become the first. I come from very humble beginnings. And I think if I can become the first um, black female, it was just a wake up call for me that, you know, there's a lot more to be done within the industry. So as much as it was a joy to me that I I achieved such a great thing that meant so much to me personally, I wanted to be able to put back into the industry because that was just an eye opener that there is such a lack of diversity. There is a lack of females um, who are represented in the industry that look like me. So I felt like I had a huge, almost weight on my shoulders that I had to had to put out there, put myself out there and do something different. So I, I, I made radical changes within my business um, from the point I got recognised. Yeah. I absolutely love that because I do feel, you know, being a black woman living in the UK, it's very important that we have representatives like yourself who we can relate to and I actually came I found you on Instagram um and I was like oh wow this is amazing so you are one of the few black women that I know that um you know is a chartered financial um, planner so I think it's great that you aspire to that because I do feel that we need you know more people like yourself in that space that can represent us and not only for us to come to you for help but I feel like by you being a representative you can help make things better in that space 
um, in terms of giving us a voice, in terms of, you know, when it comes to policies or things that um, financial experts are, you know, doing in the in the industry. So I'm really happy that you've um, aspired to that. Thank you. And yeah, I'm really happy we connected. So yeah, the Instagram was launched at the back of that. That was one of the things really just to actually be seen, as you mentioned. It's really just important having that visibility, that that alone within itself, I think, speaks volumes. And I've found even from since then, I've had many feedback. Emails, you know, a lot more females reach out to me um, wanting to understand how to get into the financial industry or or just wanting to improve naturally their finances. And for me, that was it's an absolute joy to see that. So I, I always make time, you know, to, to to help those individuals kind of map out their path um, in any way that I can. And also, you know, it's part of my journey and obviously helping my mission to to encourage people to improve their finances and become become boss boss females within their own right. Yes, I love it. I love it. So, Michaela, when did your financial journey begin? Um, take us back to what sparked your interest in financial planning and what that journey has been like to date. Yeah, it's an interesting, um, <laughs> interesting question. To be truthful, I think my journey really started from as young as five years old. Um, so my my dad would kind of generally bring these large bags of coins. And this is going back, obviously, before you had the um, machines in the bank that you can deposit all your coins and it counts it all for you. Mm-hmm. So back then, you couldn't just bring a bag of money to the bank. You had to actually put them in like the right denominations and in the right bags. And I think from as young as then, I can remember, you know, allocating monies into the right denominations. And for me, it, it was just so fascinating. I, I don't know why I find numbers, money, very fascinating from since from since then. And I think it just continued um, to grow. But obviously, as being as young as that, it was quite, I was quite unconscious of, you know, my fascination of money and what that really meant. But I found that as I've gone along my journey and in the way that I deal with money and the way that I help people manage their money now, I really feel that um, those beginnings had a major impact in my life. And, and I always kind of play back to that because I'm always fascinated how a very small amount of money can become something big if if you can do the right things with it. Um, and, and that's something that's really stuck with me uh, throughout my journey. And I and I guess that's where like financial planning all comes from, isn't it? It's the idea of, you know, taking a little and kind of making it become something big over a, a period of time. So, um, and I love, you know, that you took an interest in finance at such, that's a very young age, at the age of five. Um, and it just goes to show how important it is for parents, you know, to kind of be that example. Um, there's no, like, there's no age where you're too young to learn about finances. I always say to my, you know, nieces and nephews, you know, from when you can ask me to buy you something, then you're old enough to learn about personal finance and how to manage it. Um, so it's great that at such a young age that, you know, you sort of understood the concept and you, um, you were inquisitive about, you know, how money works. So, and this question is probably for me because I remember in the beginning of my financial journey, 
I had no financial literacy, right? So I literally had to develop my financial literacy um, to understand the terminologies. And it took a while to kind of understand the difference between financial, a financial planner and a financial advisor. So I think before we even deep dive into um, more about what you do um, and how you help your, your clients, can you please help us to understand what this difference is between a financial planner and a financial advisor? It's an interesting one, again, because, um, and I, I recently done a, a podcast on this because the, the two get confused so easily. So you're so right. So with with the financial advisor and the financial planner, so you've got something which is called um, the the financial conduct authority, basically, which is the people that regulate the whole financial industry. And I think that is the real difference between you going to actually see an advisor. So generally, somebody who calls themselves a financial advisor is qualified in some form of way. So, um, and then the financial advisor has lots of branches because you could be, you could only specialize in mortgages and be called a financial advisor. Um, some people only specialize or are qualified in protection, but they call themselves a financial advisor. Um, a financial advisor could also be somebody who could, who's able to offer all areas like investments, um, pensions, protection, um, and mortgages. So yeah. Sometimes you don't have them doing doing all all of those things, but they could also be called a financial advisor. But as a general rule of thumb, a financial advisor is somebody who is qualified number one, but also regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. So what that basically means, it's kind of like a peace of mind for whoever the client is or the customer. Um, so when you're seeking advice you're handing over that responsibility to that advisor. So if for some unknown reason that advisor doesn't advise you correctly, um, just like in, in, in a legal form, if you was to seek legal advice, you have the flexibility to sue, okay? And you are covered under the Financial Conduct Authority and Ombudsman kind of rules that that financial advisor should take responsibility because they actually advised on your plans or your decisions, financial decisions. With a financial planner, <laughs> again, it's quite broad um, because I define myself as a financial planner. Um, but sometimes, and, and, some, and a lot of the times you do find advisors will um, define themselves as a financial planner because they, they tend to do a lot more outside of just recommending a product. Yeah. Um, so they might also, you know, they set plans aside. And, and generally, that's what, what you do as a financial advisor. So you're setting financial plans. You're helping people achieve their goals. But, and and it's, sometimes it sounds a lot nicer than a financial advisor. <laughs> well, I don't want to go too deep into it. But there was a time when, you know, the financial advisor kind of had a bit of a stigma because, a lot went wrong in the industry in terms of people giving poor advice. And that's why regulation are so heavy in the industry now to avoid situations like that. So you will find advisors will call themselves financial planners. Um, but on the flip, uh, you don't have to be qualified um, as an advisor to call yourself a financial planner because you might naturally 
um, want to do financial planning for for somebody and it might involve coaching, it might involve, you know, just naturally setting a plan because you've had years of experience or you've had personal experiences and you're able to go out and, and do that. And you might even have courses that kind of backs up um, you being a financial planner. So that that's where the two can kind of be crossed over without going into it in too, too much great detail. Yeah. Thank you so much for breaking that down because, yeah, you can tell the clear sort of different differentiating um, points between them. And it's like myself, I, I don't consider myself to be a financial, well, I'm not a financial advisor. I always call myself a financial educator, but I am a life and health insurance advisor and I'm certified under the FCA and two completely different things. Like I have to do exams, I have to do assessments, I have to keep up to date with all the legislation and changes and there's things I can and cannot say to clients. So I totally understand the difference. And I guess it's really important for our listeners to understand the difference. So I'm all for, you know, seeking help. You know, there's lots of help out there. Um, And I feel like people wait until they're at the point of breakdown to seek help with their finances. Um, But when you do seek that help, you also want to know that you're seeking help from the right person. So understanding, you know, the different roles and what they do, what they can and cannot advise you on is very important. And actually, you can work with more than one. You know, you can work with a financial advisor, you can work with a financial planner. And like you said, you may have a planner who is also an advisor, an advisor who is also a planner. You know, but really understanding what the difference is so that when you seek help, you know what help you're you're going to receive. So thank you so much for breaking that down for us. Um, So I'd really love for you to kind of explain to us, you know, what the common myths are about financial planning and investing. Because I guess part of financial planning is investing, not solely investing, but investing does come in. You know, what are the common myths around that so that we can kind of, you know, remove any objections or anything that our listeners might might be having? Yeah, good question. When when I first set up my own practice, financial practice, that's when a lot of the myths became very true to me. So I've grown up in a background in in finance, um, not from not from parents and not from a family kind of setup, but I got into the industry from as young as sixteen. So I've naturally grown up in a financial world. So a lot of the mistakes that uh, um, <laughs> you would tend to see teenagers making around finances, I generally didn't make them in my earlier years. I, I would find that maybe later on there were generally some financial mistakes, but I didn't make them in earlier years because I was, I always had somebody around me telling me, you shouldn't do this. This is how this goes. And that's how that goes. So it was good in that sense. And it wasn't until I came out of the banking sector and I set up my own practice that I really realized that the, the immense struggles that people generally have, and a lot of them are based around myths that they kind of have adopted or that they've been taught maybe growing up financially and and one of the major things was that you know as soon as I introduced myself as a financial advisor somebody would say to me I'm not rich enough you know to see you I don't have enough money now (laughs) that's an interesting one because I've sat down with some clients and some of these clients have been very wealthy but they've said to me initially that they're not rich 
enough to see me, you know. And, and again, it, it boils back down to my understanding of how something so small could become, you know, so large in a, in a, in a short space of time or even in a longer space of time if you're putting the right work in. So that that's the way I see things. And that's where I, I like to help my clients see things. So even if I think somebody is not rich, um, and, and many a times I've sat down with clients, you know, they've been students and I've given them the financial education and the tools that they need and the things that the warning signs that they need to look out for. So when they do approach the right situation, that they actually do the right things. So it's it's kind of like if you don't know how to go about buying a house um, and you don't know the steps that leads up to that. you're always could constantly be missing out on the opportunities. So it's one of those things where definitely I hear a lot. I'm not rich enough. Um, Another one that I hear is I'm just really poor. I'm really bad with money. Um, It's embarrassing. I'm I'm scared to actually tell you about my finances, you know, and and I've got this kind of natural approach. I've been told by many people that I've got this kind of arm around approach (laughs) where, you know, I I am very um, comforting and and understanding to individuals' needs because I think that's the way you need to be with finances because it is quite a scary thing for many people. and And I understand that not many people look at finances in an exciting way that I do. So it's important for me to try and, you know, shift that kind of mindset, but it's not something that's done overnight. It it takes time and it's a process and you're not going to just achieve it in our our first meeting or maybe in our second meeting, but I work with clients over the longer term and they're able to build that confidence because it's it's about having the confidence as well. I think if you haven't got the confidence, sometimes, again, you miss out on those opportunities because you think that you can't do it. It's like like going into an exam room and telling yourself, I can't pass. Um, The chances of you passing sometimes are quite slim because you've already built yourself up in a negative way. And I think people naturally do that as well with their finances. So so those would be the major um, factors that I see sometimes that prevent people from, from achieving financial freedom or sometimes just reaching out to somebody who can help them um, financially. Oh, wow. Like, I'm just taking notes, by the way. <laughs> um, one of the things, the first thing that you said about, um, you know, people saying that they're not rich, that is so true. Because I feel like a lot of people make up things in their head, right, about their situation and what they can and cannot do, right? And then they speak to people they have no business talking to um, because that person doesn't know any more than they do. And so they tell themselves these stories, I can't afford to buy my house or I'll never become debt-free or, you know, I'm never going to be able to retire at the age that I want to retire or whatever stories they tell themselves. And actually by them reaching out to a financial planner, right, you're able to help them to actually see the reality of their situation and to show them what is possible. Interestingly, um, I was talking to um, a potential client and, you know, they said the same thing as you said that, you know, um, you know, I want to buy my house, but I want to do it in the next three years. So, I'll reach out to somebody, you know, in the next three years. And I said, no, reach out now, because at the end of the day, you want to know what you need to be ready to buy your house. And a lot of people delay 
and they waste time because they wait till they think they're ready. Actually, if you speak to someone, get the initial information, you know, get some sort of a roadmap in place of what you need to do to be ready. Um, for example, there are people who are saving up for a deposit to buy their council flats when you don't need a deposit. And it's like, what are you waiting for? You know, I had a client who was like, oh, you know, I've saved 10 grand to buy my council flat. And I was like, well, that's no longer a goal because you've more or less achieved it because you don't need that much money. So I love what you said about not waiting to be rich or not waiting till you want to um, tackle the issue or you want to, you know, create a financial plan to see a financial expert, see them before so that they can help you to map out what exactly you want to do. I think I went a bit into that. <laughs> no, no, it's so true. And, I, and I'll add something to that. The, the mapping out is so crucial, Esther. It's like it's like when you think about going on a journey. See, finance and money is, is very practical, but I think a lot of people just overcomplicate it. So if if you're going on a journey or you're going somewhere where you've never been before, most likely one of the things you're going to do is check out a map. Or if you're driving, you're going to put the postcode or something in the sat nav because you want to understand how you're going to get there. It's very rare you go somewhere where you've never been and you just think, I'm just going to, I'm just going to take a chance. And when I get there, I'm going to then use a map <laughs> or I'm then going to use um, a sat nav. You know, you, you map out your journey before so you know exactly how to get there and you understand the shortcuts. And I'll give you an example. I had a lady that came over to me in the same similar scenario like what you mentioned. And she said, um, I want to buy a property and I'm thinking of buying a property in about three to four years. Now, when I'd done the map out journey for her, I said, well, based on your um, income and outgoings, you could achieve that same property goal in a year's time, you know, and she, she just said, well, I, I never thought about it like that, you know, and I thought, well, why are you wasting it? What is happening to the, the rest of that money that, that you're wasting? Would you rather, you know, sp- frivolously spend for the next three to four years to take so much longer to achieve your goal when you can be quite rigid, focused, and achieve that same goal within one year because it's possible. It's there. You've got the flexibility to do it. If you don't, then it's different. But when you've got the flexibility to do something and you understand what the plan is, um, then it's much easier to achieve. You can identify where the shortcuts are because there, there will always sometimes be a shortcut. But if you haven't done that map, a lot of the times you're always going the long way around your journey or you're going to get lost. And 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 so and so that's why I think it's worthwhile reaching out so you can understand exactly what that map looks like, but ultimately the shortest possible way to achieve your goals. That that's the key. I couldn't agree more. I, I couldn't agree more. I think a lot of people are wasting time um trying to figure it out on their own, complicating their situation where actually a lot of the goals that they have, they can achieve it in a quicker time line than than what they think and that takes me to the next point that you made about the myths around financial planning you know like having that long-term support so one of my life's mission is to get people to look at personal finance as a lifestyle right um so the same way that we look at health right where health is becoming a lifestyle it's not just about being on a diet it's about 
mental health. It's about, you know, what we're eating, the what we're putting in our minds and all of that. It's becoming an, an everyday way of living. And I'm hoping through what both you and I are doing that we can help people to realize, you know, money has to be an everyday thing. And so when it comes to finance, um, people don't realize that actually you can work with someone throughout, right? You don't have to work with them every day, but you can check in, right? You can check in when you when you get a new job, you can check in with a financial planner like, hey, my salary has gone up by 20K. What do I do with this extra money? How can I budget in a way or plan for my future? You know, you can check in when you're starting a family. Hey, you know, I'm having... In addition to the family, you know, what are the things that we need to plan and consider? So I love that you mentioned about it's not just working with with, um, people on a one-off basis, but actually you can offer them that ongoing support, right? Because everybody is at different stages of their life. And, you know, being like, I'm in my 30s now, in sort of my mid, going to late 30s. And so I know that a lot has changed. And every time something has changed, I've had to check in with a financial expert, right? Um, So how do you kind of support long-term support for your clients? Yeah, the the long-term support has always always been the goal because I think, um, I know actually, um, one thing with finance, as as I mentioned, it's not not just a one-time fix-all. Um, so it is a work in progress. It is a lifestyle, as you mentioned. And you will come across those things in your life where situations change. OK, so it's not like this fairy tale book where um, <laughs> once upon a time and happily. But after that's great, but then there's a lot that's going to go on between that. So it's almost as if you can only be as ready as what you've prepared for. But generally, there may be those things that come into place, like a bereavement or um, a loss of job or, you know, uh, you've started a family. So there are, there are going to be things that comes into place that will restructure the whole way that you deal with your finances. And, and sometimes you need a complete different approach. So what might have worked very well for you as a single or coupled individuals um, would would be completely different to how you manage your money if you have children. And and again, if you're a single person, you possibly will need a whole different structure the way that you manage your money if you're married. So it's it's kind of one of those things where you do need to have that ongoing check-in. And and also another thing that's really important for the um, the financial kind of well-being and, and a great mental kind of state is is actually understanding how you can do things independently as well. So so that's what the Wealth Check is really all about. So I I launched that really to to give people the the confidence and empower people to feel confident that they can naturally take a certain level of control of their finances independently. Because again, it's, it's so satisfying, you know, to kind of understand and think, actually, I've got that, you know, I understand how to manage my money on a monthly basis and just the basic things, you know, you've got that because generally as a rule of thumb, even the basic things as a nation, we struggle with, 
Um, so finances is not something that was taught in school. So it's no shame if you if you don't really understand how to manage your money or you are still struggling with money management and you're in your 40s or you haven't considered retirement and you're already in your 50s. It's, 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 a, it's quite a natural thing that I come across all the time. So there's no shame in it. And I think it's important that, you know, you embrace it as part of a lifestyle and, and have confidence. So that's that. There's two things there. Great. I love so that. understanding the long term, but also having the independence. Yeah, within self. Yeah, I absolutely love that, and that takes us um, to our next question, um, just about women. You know, how do you see the development women are making in the world of financial planning and in- investing for their future self? And you know, what tips can you give women to build their money confidence through financial planning? Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's been an absolutely amazing journey. I know when I um, started off as a financial planner, there there was very few and far between many women, um, especially women of colour um, in the industry itself. So number one, it's just so fantastic to see, you know, financial planners, financial advisors, financial coaches, um, females actually taking these roles and and actually disrupting the market for for all the right reasons. So it's amazing to see that because I think people feed off of people. So women are sometimes, or in most cases, naturally more open to discussing their finances with another female expert. So it's it's great. And it really starts from having those experts around to, to encourage more women. And I think naturally women have just taken a lot more ownership. We live in a day and age now where people are just so much more independent, men, women, um, and people do want to actually, they, they are conscious about how they're managing their money. And women has just come on leaps and bounds. And it's it's amazing to see. Um, so generally, even when I have you know clients and even when I have married couples, I generally tend to see them separately because they have their own individual um, needs. And it's quite interesting to see when you see kind of like the husband and then the wife and how different they are. Some, some things are aligned, but then how different some things are the way they want to manage their money. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe females are great money managers because we, we are just great, you know, managing things. Generally, if you look at even the way we manage the household, um, things in a work-based environment, and we're naturally known as like multitaskers without, you know, kind of being sexist or anything like that. But it's there's no reason why money can't be a part of that. And it's and it's great to see. And, and for all the other women who are still, you know, um, have a lack of confidence about managing their own finances and taking control. It's just important to, to embrace it. So I just had, I had a recent client and um, she's actually in her eighties now and her husband recently passed away and she, she came to me, you know, she's got a lot of assets, a lot of property, a lot of investments and things like that. But she said she's never dealt with, you know, any of these things. It was her husband who always dealt with with managing all of these affairs. Mm-hmm. And and I just compare that to how women are nowadays. Um, and, and I'm seeing women, you know, take ownership. It's, there's definitely going to be a major change in future. So it's it's great to see the the shift. 
yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think there's definitely been that shift and we've come a long way and there's still progress to be um to be made. Um so yeah, definitely. And I think as well when you mentioned about couples, um when I work with couples, it's very interesting because just the the different money personalities that they want different things, different goals. And it's like, how do you now bring that together to give them balance to support each other and achieve their goals as a as a family unit? So that's something really interesting. So, you know, for a woman out there who might see herself as, you know, lack of financial literacy or um not not being able to make um, money decisions, you know, in in sort of their their relationships, um, or even in their career, you know, getting to where they want to get to, how would you advise them to build their money confidence? Yeah, great question. I mean, building money confidence, again, is, is kind of more of a mindset process. It's more to do with the mind than it is to do with the money. And it's it's one of those things where you know it means reading more books um, about finances and, and managing your money, listening to podcasts like this, like mine and yours, and and following you know the right people on on social media. Um, you you just want a constant um, influence because what what you constantly feed your brain is naturally what becomes part of your conscious mind. So it's a matter of you know doing it doing different things and taking in a lot of financial knowledge from different mediums and obviously something that's more resonates with you. So if you are much more of a visual person, then maybe watching things on, on YouTube or watching financial kind of um, kind of interviews or podcasts, whatever it may be on, on, on a visual basis. And I just think you want to have as much influence. And another uh, thing that really will help boost your money confidence is the people that you're conversating around with regards to money and I think first step is really understanding how you feel about money so making maybe even just write down five things that come straight off your mind and how you feel about money okay and then and then next have a look at five ways how you want to feel about money so look at how you're feeling right now and then Look at how you want to feel about money, how you want money to make you feel, because it is almost a separate entity to you. So you've got to look at it like that. And it's, and it's a relationship. So think of it in, in that kind of sense. And um, and yeah, just continually work at it. You, nobody gets things overnight. Nobody it kind of gets out of debt overnight or, uh, you know, becomes a millionaire overnight. It's a, it's a work in progress and you kind of just have the confidence that you will get to where you want to, but you've got to, number one, believe it. And you've also got to see it and you've got to map it out and yeah. you've got to constantly surround yourself around those positive people and have those positive thoughts. Yeah. The, the tips that you've said, they're so, so, so in, important. Um, because money isn't just about the numbers. It really is about mindset and behavior and habits. And so developing your, um, yeah, your financial literacy, growing your money confidence is really important. Um, and it will determine how successful you are um, in your personal finance. And so um, I'd really love for you to kind of show us in a, in a form of a roadmap, if you like, whether it's like, 
you know, one or two steps. Um, you know, someone who is, say, in their early 30s and they're planning to retire at 60. Um, and this is a kind of vague question because I know that, like, as part of your role as a financial planner, you'd probably need to deep dive and do a financial analysis because, you know, everybody's different. Um, every, you know, where they're at, their goals, how much income they have. But just generally, um, someone who is planning their life, you know, planning to be financially independent by the age of 60, what are some of the things that they should be looking at right now? So first step with planning is you want to fast forward right to what it looks like at 60 or what what financial freedom looks like. So what does that look like to you? So everybody's financial freedom is going to be different. Okay. Does it mean that, you know, you're, you're chilling somewhere abroad on a beach or are you going to be here in a, in a mansion in London? Or what does your financial freedom look like? Number one, and really identifying number one, what that's going to cost and also how much it will cost to maintain. So, so that those are the first steps to, to understand, because once you understand what the end goal looks like, you can almost work backwards and identify what you need to be doing from, you know, every day, every week, every month, and what you kind of need to be setting aside to achieve those goals. And um, the next thing is to think about multiple streams of income so so don't just kind of hone all of your bets in one area and kind of say actually I'm just going to focus on property because property is going to help me achieve that goal when I'm 60 you know or I'm just going to focus on cryptocurrency because that's going to help me achieve my goal when when I'm planning to retire so you want to kind of think of what are the different ways that you can work out to help you achieve that goal. So what are the multiple ways that you can do that? And then um, thirdly, I would say really just understand why that's so important to you. Why why is it so necessary? Um, because I think you've really got to train your mind then to, to keep focused because we're talking about quite long-term planning here. So that's like 20, 30 years. What's going to keep you focused on that single mission or that same mission for a very long period of time? And you need a really strong mindset. So it's all about building your mindset. It plays a major role in your financial planning. So what, what would it actually mean if you don't achieve those things? What would it mean if you was if you was broke in retirement? You know, how would you feel? So it's really just kind of mapping that out and getting your mindset in the right place to to consistently achieve. So that means when life is going to throw curveballs at you, you've kind of you've you've already factored that in. You've, you've factored that in and you're still focused on your goal because it means so much to you. And, and I think, yeah, that's when you have to really look into yourself. So, so those are the three steps. So fast forward right to the end, find out what it is, what it's going to cost, how much it will make, it cost to maintain, um, and then really work out what you need to do for each step going forward and then get your mind right. I absolutely love that. I hope you guys are taking notes, right? <laughs> um, because there's lots of actions to take away from this podcast. So be sure to rinse and repeat. 
listen, listen, and listen again. Um, because I feel like there's so many um key takeaways um from this episode. And the last one that you said really resonated with me. And actually, even going back to the first tip about you know, starting with the end in mind, that's so important in any financial goal, you know, starting with the end in mind um, and sort of working backwards as opposed to looking at now, like some people think about how they want to retire or what financial freedom looks like, but they're so focused on their current situation that they don't think big or they get stuck with thinking that, oh, this will never happen for me because I'm only earning this amount or, you know, I have this much debt or I don't even have any savings or I'm not even good with money. And actually, if you start with the big goal, you know, what you want that to look like, as as Michaela has said, and then working backwards, you know, to your daily action, weekly action, monthly action. And the final um, point that you made about understanding your why. So I recently had a goal and I was almost just going to give up on that goal, right? Um, I was, and I can say it now because um, by the time this podcast goes out, everybody will know anyway, but I recently bought my council um, flat and I've lived in this flat for over 15 years. Um, I got into a lot of arrears, um, you know, within that period of time, I was almost evicted three times. And, you know, when it came to buying the house, it was something that I was always scared about, Right. Because I was scared that I wouldn't be able to maintain the mortgage. I was scared that it was just too big of a responsibility. And because I always got in trouble with paying my rent, I was like, huh, if I owe the bank's money, they're kicking me out. Like 30 days notice, you're out. And so that petrified me and held me back. But then once I started my you know, financial journey in 2017, and like you said, getting my mind right, I got my mind right. I reached out to experts. I started to work on my money habits and improving it. And so when we started the process of buying the house in the middle of COVID, it just took so long. It took so long. And my credit isn't that great, um, which I'm rebuilding. But I had to either choose between waiting like a few more years for my credit to improve and then buy or just buy now. Right. And it was one of the hardest decisions, but I, I decided to just go ahead and buy now um, and just get that over and done with. But it's so important to understand your why. Right. So for me, on my roadmap, my next phase was, OK, I'm now debt free. I've got my savings. Now my next phase is to buy the house. And it took longer than I expected. And there were some curveballs and really tough decisions that I needed to make. But because I had a very strong why, that just, you know, in the end, I just said, you know what, when this completion date comes, it comes. I'm not going to put a timeline to it. You know, when it comes, it comes. And that's it. As long as I am determined to buy, um, you know, this flat, it's going to happen. And so mindset is everything. Having a big why is everything because there are challenges that are going to come along the way. So thank you so much to, for um, speaking on that. Well done to you, Esther. That is an amazing um, journey. And that's just a testament to, you know, setting your why, but also planning. Because if that wasn't on your map um, or your journey, then, you know, as, as you mentioned, you could have easily missed it. And your why helped you to, to continue even when you was going to give up um, because you knew that it was so important to you. So, but well done to you for, for achieving that. Because 
because that's no easy achievement and from what you mentioned you know um going through arrears and everything like that that's just um it must be a joy so congratulations to you Thank you so, so very much. And I like now my next phase is exactly what we're talking about. And um, that was one of the reasons I wanted to have you because I'm actually entering into that next phase where it's that, okay, now I'm working on my sort of current goals, but I'm, I want to be in a position where I become mortgage free as soon as possible. Um, and also just plan for the future, getting my money to work for me. So this session is really helpful to me because it's definitely. <laughs> Sorry, that was me hitting my straw, <laughs> um, my metal straw in my coffee cup. Um, so, yeah, this sort of episode really means a lot to me. And I hope that my listeners as well, you know, and it doesn't matter what phase you are in, right? Yeah, I was going to say. Like, this might be the very first podcast you, you've ever listened to about finance. And we're talking about financial planning and the future and whatnot. I don't want you to be scared or to pull back, right? You need to hear this now in order to prepare you. Whether you are just building your emergency fund, whether you are trying to pay off your debt, or you are whatever you know, situation you are in, I want you to just take this in, consume the information. Even if you're not ready to implement it now, at least you have it at the back of your mind that this is what you want to aspire to. And yeah, so true. And just to add to that, I think just start while you're young. So even in your scenario, you mentioned somebody in their 30s um, looking to retire. There's no reason why you can't be thinking about retirement at the age of 20 or the age of 18. You know, I just think you just you make your journey so much easier the younger that you start. So the many young millennials that I come across they just haven't, they just think, oh, no, that's too far ahead. I haven't thought about that yet. But there's there's nothing stopping you. Obviously, there's more pressing goals that you might want to achieve, like buying a house and, you know, getting your first car or whatsoever it may be. But but don't let that stop you from, from even putting a very small amount away to achieve your retirement goal in future or your longer term goals, because you just make your life so much easier easier by the time you do get into your 30s or your 40s you've got much less work to do and I think sometimes the society sets these standards like they say you should wait 25 years to pay off a mortgage or 30 years to pay off a mortgage and you 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 can't retire until you're 55 but who says that that should be the figures or that should be the numbers you set your own numbers um there's the you can achieve financial freedom at any age, <laughs> it's, it's up to you to put that work in, determine what financial freedom looks like to you. And, and, and it's possible at any time if you've put the right work in, you've done the right planning and you've got the right mindset. So I would say, yeah, that, Start that's early. it. <laughs> Start early. Start early. You know, if I could go back, the only time I, I would be okay with using a time machine, right? is to go back to my 20s and implement everything I know now about my finances. That's the only time, you know, I would definitely consider using a time machine. Um, So, so important. So just to kind of um, round up, you know, you've given us so many great tips. um, You've given us clarity about what financial planning is and, you know, just encouraging women to grow their money confidence. 
And you've also given us, you know, a roadmap with, with four steps, if you like, as to, you know, someone who is, you know, starting young or like you said, no matter age, no matter what age you are, how to kind of plan for retirement and plan for the future. So I kind of want to take it back to you in terms of just finding out a little bit more about, you know, um, the different tools that you use um, on your financial journey that has helped you personally. Um, the tools I use personally was, like, to me personally, I, I, I achieved financial freedom at age of 22. And it was something because I think I was able to plan from really early. So I started planning, find it, like, proper financial planning, I would say at age maybe 15, 16. And for me, it was... It was one of those things where it just meant so much to me. It meant so much to me because I think I came from a background where I rarely saw women um, within my family kind of set up who who owned their own businesses, you know, who were, you know, financially free or, or was kind of owning their own own kind of finances and, and money and so for me I don't know why from a very young age it was just really important to me to step outside of that box and do something completely different so I was very vigorous <laughs> at the age of 16 obviously that's not going to be everybody's story because I I dropped out of college and I started work from a young age in the financial sector so obviously if you are you know um, going down the road of education it's, it might be quite different and more difficult for you to be able to do that but obviously a 16 year old doesn't really have much outgoings um especially when I was still living at home with with parents and so for me it was just one of those things where I was very vigorous I I saved almost I would say 75% of my salary and spent the 25% I wasn't interested in um designers and, and all these things I mean I, I like these things now but when I was when I was actually on my mission to achieve yeah. financial freedom I wasn't interested in any of those things they didn't attract me because I was so focused on my goal that I was willing to sacrifice all of those things I sacrificed quite a number of things I still done things and as a, as a teenager would and enjoyed but for me it was kind of like I have to I have to buy my first property so uh, that was my first goal I wanted to get get onto the property ladder um, which I did. I bought my first property at 19 and I ended wow. up renting out the property. Wow. And, and that's when my journey just kind of started from there. And I was able to use growth from, from that property to go on and buy another property. So for me, it was, I was able to, to kind of, um, yeah, I would say achieve that financial freedom. Obviously the journey has shifted because fi what financial freedom means for a, for a 22-year-old is is it is a different financial freedom for a 30-year-old. So uh, when when I had children, obviously it didn't so much achieve the financial freedom that I had now shifted to. And it's a matter of again shifting the goalposts. That's that's what I mentioned. It's about restructuring your whole financial plan. How can you now you know achieve another property? And for me, that meant more property, um, and that meant more investments, and that was enabled me to continue to to do that so for me it's one of those things where I think number one you've just got to be so vigorous with your approach and and I understand so many people I come across to be truthful to be absolutely 
open and honest. They're just not vigorous enough. I think they're just like, mm, yeah, but I don't want to give up going out. I don't want to give up eating out <laughs> on a on a Friday night. And I don't want to give up going out with friends. And I don't want to give up um, uh, my, you know, d- designer handbags or shoes or whatever it may be. I don't want to give that up. Fine. That, that's perfectly fine. But what that just means is that you're, you've shifted your goalpost mm-hmm. a lot longer. So, so if you can be really vigorous, and I've done this on my um, podcast, that um, my <laughs> YouTube channel actually, How to Achieve 60K Before the Age of 25, because that's exactly what I did. So, And that's how I was able to save. And it was mainly just living this minimalistic lifestyle. I think that was one of the major game changers. Um, and, and it allows me now to live the life that I want to live without worrying about where money's coming from you know so when I work I work for my passion because naturally I don't physically have to work but I I do it because I love it and I do it because there's bigger goals that I want to achieve so if I was that complacent person that just kind of said I'm happy with what I've got then that's fine but as you mentioned you achieved your goal of buying a property which is a major goal you've now set a new goal yeah, and that's what I think you've got to continually do. You've got to continually set those new goals every time you've accomplished one. It's like that's a tick in the box, right? What's the next one? And that next one means you've now got to take on a new approach, and it might mean more sacrificing, and it might mean more other things. But it just means that you're constantly achieving things that make you that make you happy. And it helps you achieve success in your life. And it gives you the freedom to, you know, do the things that you enjoy and that you love. So I don't know, that, that's what worked out for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I try and encourage people, as, as many people as I can, to try and adopt that approach. I understand it doesn't work with everyone because some people are starting their journeys um, after university. So and then at that point, they've already got a huge amount of financial debt because they've taken on student loans and so on and so forth. So the journey is always sometimes a lot different, but um, it's still possible. It's still possible. And I have helped many individuals at quite young ages achieve the same similar goals from just adopting those same approaches. And, and what you said is bang on, just bang on, because a lot of people, um, yeah, they want the goals, but they're not willing to do the work to get the goals. Um, so they say, oh, it's unachievable. But no, it's actually achievable. But you don't want to commit to doing what you need to do to get there. And I always say, like, you're going to have to make the sacrifice at some point, right? Um, there's no dream. There's no goal that just comes without any sacrifice. Whether it's you sacrificing your money, your time, something has to give. And so you either have to choose to do that giving now or do it later, right? And I don't know about you, but I'm not as energetic as I was when I was in my 20s. You know, I'm not as like, yeah, I can go. You know, now I love my afternoon naps even more, you know? So it's like the best time to do it is is when you're young. Not that, you know, if you're older, you're not able to, but it just means that the later on in life, you leave these things, the more sacrifice you're going to have to make. So why not make the little sacrifice when you're younger and just get ahead? Because you know that later on, you can enjoy the things that you sacrificed for all those years for a lifetime. 
right? And it's about making short-term sacrifices for longer-term gains. And so I totally agree with you on that. And um, there's a guy called Dave Ramsey in, in America. He's a financial yeah. expert as well. And he always says, you know, live like nobody else today so that you can live like nobody else tomorrow. You yeah. know? So whether or not you're eating rice and beans today, because you're like, actually, what's really important to me is to become a homeowner or for me to, you know, have a pot of money for my kids' education, you know, and I'm going to be eating rice and beans for five years. You're living like no one else today. But guess what? In five years' time, you're able to gift your children an education fund or you're able to be a property owner and not have to pay a mortgage to anyone. So that is another key takeaway I hope that the listeners um, get from this is you have to make the sacrifice. When it comes to personal finance, you have to make the sacrifice. There's no easy way. There's no quick fix, right? You know, if it took you five years to get into debt, it might take you five years to get out. You could do it sooner, but guess what? Something has to give. Um, So thank you so much for um, highlighting that because I think it's really important. Um, So another question um, for you is just around sort of money and mental health, you know, considering that the times that we're in, um, you know, there's so many things that are impacting um, people's finances and their ability to kind of make choices. Um, How would you advise people in this day and age um, to sort of manage their money and mental health? So to, I guess my question is, how should we be managing our emotions around financial planning? It's a very good question, Asai. The, the money and mental health, again, is going to be quite different for, for, for everyone, though, depending on the individual that you are in terms of how you, you manage your mental health, because it's almost kind of intertwined with health and wealth. So I think it's one of those things where Number one, it's really understanding what money means to you. And it it might sound like a a very simple or basic kind of uh, analogy, but what what does money mean to you? Because I think not a lot of people actually take the time out to understand what their relationship actually is with money. And I think that's where it, it generally goes wrong sometimes when they don't understand what their relationship is with money. So they don't understand when things are going wrong or when things are naturally going right as well. So the first thing I would say is to, to just really kind of even if it's just jotting it down on a piece of paper or answering yourself answering yourself a few questions what does money mean to you and and what does good look like so um, i think if you have got natural things from past like you you've not you've heard a lot of bad myths growing up or you've had a bad relationship you've experienced a bad relationship with money from parents or from your upbringing it's almost that you've got to remove you've got to try and remove all of that negative energy as a first point of call to allow you to step into an area of of success with money or what you deem
deemed to be success. So I think it's identifying that first. So you absolutely know when things are going north and when things are going south because people do miss those those opportunities and they they fall into easy traps because they, they just wasn't aware that they was there. And another thing is really just having that pointer where there are some basic things, should I say, that you should be armed with that will, you know, prevent you from, from me- my, well, mental health issues as a result of money. And I think it's something that you, you go on about definitely within um, your, your kind of uh, social media posts as well. And it's having an emergency fund, just, just basic things like this, because I found that you know, throughout the lockdown, that was that was a key a key player for many people who didn't have emergency funds. They ended up racking up a lot of debt as a result of that. And then, you know, it's debt that you've now taken on that you wasn't actually you didn't plan for that debt. Um, and now you're in a situation you was already struggling with money before, and now you've taken on debt. You've got yourself in an even worse position. And that alone could lead some people into mental health issues. So I think having some basic things like um, a, uh, an emergency fund and, and secondly, also just trying to find the basics of managing money. So these are, these are, these are quite basic principles uh, that you should adopt yourself with, but sometimes they, they might be more work than for others to take on than some. So definitely money management. So just understanding, you know, <laughs> Esther's really great at this and, and just understanding the, the importance of managing what's going out and what comes in. So if you have the same amount coming in each month if you're a salaried individual, it's a lot more easier for you to plan your expenses. If you're self-employed, you know, you'd you'd work that out maybe on an average, but you, you want to actually really understand exactly what's going in and what's coming out. And again, that will help you avoid uh, situations of falling in financial potholes um, without you actually expecting that. So, so the emergency fund, basic money management, and really just understanding what your relationship is with money. And if there are some red flags, then you need to take the time to, to heal from them and, and to turn any negative kind of money emotions that you have mm. into positive ones. And, and that journey, depending on who that individual is, will look very different. So it's very hard to say this is exactly what it looks like. Um, and it's very hard to say this is exactly what you should do to have a good mental health around money um, because it, it is going to be different for everyone. But I think if you have got something like a, you know, a emergency fund, so if there is an emergency, you have a fund <laughs> to rely on in that emergency, managing your money well, because that will just keep you on a balance from day to day. Um, and also, yeah, just keep in that space quite, quite open and quite positive because it's very easy to allow negativity to, to kind of step in. But it doesn't help at all when you're mapping out your financial journey, when you're on your road to financial freedom. You kind of want to be negativity free. Um, uh, so, yeah, th- those are the three kind of things I would say to help you just balance that out, balance out money and mental health. Oh, my goodness, Michaela, you said it. <laughs> Listeners, she said it, not me. And I didn't even interrupt her, so she said it. Um, <laughs> 
what amazing, amazing tips, you know, what amazing tips. You know, when lockdown happened, because my husband is self-employed, he's an, an electrician. Right. Contract, the construction um, industry was shut down. And so we had to live on one income and top up with our emergency fund. And as annoyed as I was, because, you know, like you save your money, you just want it to sit there, innit? <laughs> Especially as someone who never used to have savings. So for yeah. now I've gone to always spending my savings to my security being having that savings. And it wasn't until I needed to use it that I was like, wow, I always have to have savings. And so we had the savings to fall back on. And it just meant that throughout lockdown, the multiple lockdowns that we had, that we were still able to pay our bills. We were still able to just live a normal life. And like you said, my mental health, you know, was okay because knowing me, oh my gosh, I would have been stressed out. I would have, you know, gone into depression and and whatnot. So having the emergency fund is so, so in, important. And now I'm, I'm back, you know, rebuilding that. And it's just so exciting because I'm like, wow, if I ever, if anything changes again in the future, I know I have this to fall back on. Um, and, you know, you're right in saying that, yeah, every individual will be at different place. So um, what actions you need to take will just be determined on um, who you are and where you're at in your journey. But thank you so much for um, speaking on that. So this is, you know, the last sort of question for our listeners. And I want to take you back. And in your case, actually, I'm, a- I'm actually curious about what your answer is going to be, because you started your financial journey very, very young, right? You know, from the age of 19, you bought your first property. You were already thinking about financial planning at the age of five. At the age of 16, you were already planning what, you know, you wanted your life to look like. So amazing. Um, is there anything that you could go back and do differently? So normally the question that I would ask my podcast guests is if they could send their 21-year-old self a note, what would it say? So if you could go back, I guess, and send yourself a note, um, at the age of 16 or even five, what would that be? Thanks, sister. Maybe not five, but... <laughs> um, yeah, I would I would say not, not accepting advice um, from people who are not qualified. Sure. Uh, yeah, because it's an interesting one because, you know, I, I could have bought my property sooner, funnily enough, but I, I had these things at the back of my mind that... Um, or that people was telling me, you know, the, the market's going to crash, the market's going to crash, it's not, a good, it's not a good time to buy, or if you buy, you're not going to be able to manage the property. You know, people sometimes kind of offload their own negative or their own limitations onto your personal life. Yeah. And I think if you're going to allow, you know, other people's limitations to limit your goals, then you just you, you're not going to get to where you need to be. So I think have that clear mind frame of this is where I want to go, and regardless, I can do it. Um, so don't allow, don't don't second guess yourself, and then ask somebody who's who's generally not done it themselves. <laughs> They've not bought a property themselves, but they say to you that you can't buy a property. So that's the wrong person you should be taking advice from. So that that's what I meant by that. Um, so I think 
I'd done a lot of that when I was young. I, I would always kind of say, okay, yes, I've got it. I've got it mapped out, but let me ask somebody, you know, and that person could almost put you off yeah. of your goals or you won't achieve that goal in the right time frame um, or the time frame that you mapped out because you took that advice and then you'd end up going back to listening to yourself anyway. So obviously I always say, listen to your gut. Well, they always say, listen to your gut, don't they? It's the, it's the right advice to take and, and listen to your gut. And I think even if, you know, a financial advisor or expert shouldn't be telling you that you can't achieve these goals, but even if they did, again, you, that's not the right person to listen to. You know, your 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 goals are your goals. and Whatever you set your goals to be, um, they're your visions, they're your goals, and you can achieve them. So don't allow anybody to limit um, your life or your goals or your dreams. That, that would be my advice to myself. Now I don't. <laughs> Um, I will be um, stealing that one from you as well. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm learning as I kind of get through my goals, I'm sort of learning what to say to people, what not to say to people, when to say. So I'm learning like certain goals that I have, I won't share until I've actually achieved it because I don't want That's my motto. Or anything. And it, it goes back to what you said about growing our money confidence. This is why it's so important for us to grow our money confidence because you don't want the wrong mouth in your ears and you also don't want, you know, yourself, you don't want to be in your own head because we can talk ourselves out of a lot of things. So yeah. as much as we're not listening to outsiders, like what Michaela said early on, you know, going back to understanding some of the ideologies you have about finances or the beliefs, where do they come from? Is it something that you watched growing up? Is it something that somebody um, told you? So I'm having to unlearn a lot of money habits because mm-hmm. I'm like, hold on a minute. Why do I do that? Yeah. Like, that's not even Esther. Why do I do it? And then I realize, oh, it's maybe because I saw it growing up or I see everybody else doing it or someone said, and all of a sudden I'm just kind of doing what they're doing. And it's like, well, no, that doesn't align with, my values it doesn't align with my goals um so yeah grow your money confidence and don't let the wrong ear the long the wrong mouth be in your ears yeah i like that so true amazing michaela so where can our audience find you because i know that they are going to be looking for you um and you have so many resources you know guys if you check out michaela's website and she'll tell you where that is she has amazing resources she has amazing you know freebies that she offers and consultation and one-to-ones and courses so do check it out like I said don't wait till you're rich right reach out now don't wait till oh let me just wait a year when I feel like I'm ready reach out now so where can our audience find you 100%. 100%. Yep. As you mentioned it, you can um, check out my website. So it's www.michaelagreen.com. Um, I do do a lot of um, free kind of content in terms of social media, which you can follow at The Wealth Check. I've got my YouTube channel, my podcast as well, Your Financial Journey, and blogs that I do on the website. But I think you can you can gain access to all of those um, via either my social media, Instagram, or the website. Amazing. Michaela, thank you for being such an amazing guest. Um, I love the work that you do and I love what you stand for. And I hope to be 
um, having you back again in the in the future. Thank you so much for taking the time out today and um, to be on this podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Esther. It was an absolute pleasure. I really enjoyed our conversation and um, you're an absolute dream as well. It's great the work that you're doing in terms of, you know, helping people. I I do see the praise going around. Um, I had you, we've done a live together as well. And um, yeah, I've had so much great feedback from there. So I, I know you're changing lives in terms of helping people get the right mindset of budgeting and financial coaching and everything. So keep waving the flag you're doing an amazing job i i definitely will thank you so much you're welcome thank you again for listening to boss of my money podcast with esther i hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode and if you'd like me to answer any of your questions you can include your name or it can be anonymous then do send your questions to esther at bossofmymoney.co.uk Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. I would really appreciate it if you took time to also rate and review this podcast. Stop by at bossofmymoney.co.uk for more details on how you can get started on your financial success journey. See you again on the next episode.